0: This podcast is also part of a pod course which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. Char Bouchard here. True story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh Uh-uh. The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove 2 hours to get there 2 hours to get home and now i have to file an appeal I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of speechtherapypd.com? She said, no. I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, They're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no. Their plans start at $89 a year, for heaven's sake. And then I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com Has scheduled a CEU cruise Next summer To Italy and Greece Woohoo! She said Okay, I'm looking them up right now And so should you SpeechTherapyPD.com Check them out, tell your friends You'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to the Speech Link, brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Shara Beauchart, speech language pathologist, and I invite you to join us as we share practical strategies to take your therapy to the next level. We'll talk with experienced experts who've achieved extraordinary results and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Collaborating with teachers takes effort and it takes time. It also takes knowledge of how to do it, what to do and what not to do. Also, when do I collaborate and with whom? What if teachers don't want to collaborate with me? And honestly, what if I don't want to collaborate with them? Yet, there has been a big push for school speech-language pathologists to closely work with teachers and even participate in the classroom. I'm an SLP and I've worked in the schools, and I personally like to do collaboration. I know the value of it, but I didn't start out 30 plus years ago doing collaboration or at least not doing it effectively. There's a learning curve, and when you begin to experience the value of collaboration, you'll be hooked. Knowing where to start and how to lay the foundation for a close working relationship with your teachers is what this podcast is all about. Grab your pen and paper. Let's delve in. My guest today is Frankie Strickland. And she has her education specialist degree and she's a speech language pathologist. Frankie's worked with toddlers through adults in the education system and in the private sector. Over the past 20 years, she's been a school speech-language pathologist, in addition to a special ed director, struggling student support specialist specialist coordinator, and a special education consultant. Frankie's also been an important member of the Georgia school-based speech-language pathologist leadership team through the Department of Education. And she was part of the leadership team that developed a statewide training program that focused on the collaboration of SLPs and general education teachers. Mm -hmm. She's also the founder of TalkTrack at TalkTrack.com, that's T-A-L-K-T-R-A-C.com, a -A a cloud-based therapy data collection tool and a management tool of your day-to-day tasks, and it helps you create and send progress reports to parents and teachers. Woo! Hopefully, we have a little time to talk about TalkTrack because it really sounds like something that I could use in the schools. But without further ado, let's get started into collaboration. Welcome, Frankie, to the speech link.
1: Hi, Shar. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me the opportunity to talk to other SLPs. Very excited to be here. Very excited.
0: Well, to get us started, and interestingly enough, we are recording this at the beginning of the school year, but people are going to be listening to this at Christmas time and at the end of the school year, but we can all use this information. And, um, you know, I'd like to ask you a question. Let's just say that this is your first day in a school. And maybe it's maybe you were there last year, or maybe this is totally your first day. And I know that we have organization pieces that need to be done with the kids and so on. And get your caseload going and organized and find out, you know, what kids are there and what kids aren't. And then we need to begin our foundation of working with the teachers. Frankie where do we start?
1: Oh, wow, Shar. Collaboration uh, is a very big passion of mine. I believe that, you know, collaboration is at the heart of what we do as SLPs. Uh, my first step would definitely be to go around and introduce myself to the faculty um, and the staff that is at the school and making sure that I make a stop by the administration office. Um, I, I'm a big believer in educating administrators so they understand what we do uh, because they can be a very big ally for us when we are working. With the students in the school. In addition to that, I would definitely look at my caseload. I would really start picking apart my caseload, looking at the students' names, the grade levels, who their classroom teachers are, their primary disabilities, um, what services they're being provided uh, for speech and language. Is it speech? Is it language? And then the location and then how often that I'm to provide those services. So I really try to get a groundwork laid as to the type of students that I'll be serving, because that is going to be my springboard in connecting with the administrator. Uh, Once I have a full understanding of my caseload, because we do get students in and out, you know, they transfer in and out. I definitely want to set up an appointment with the administrator and talk with her about my caseload, but then also talk with her about how I can collaboratively work with the teachers in the school. And a goal would definitely be to get on the first, if not the first, at least, one of the first um, faculty meetings for the school year, because I really believe in getting out there in front of the uh, teachers and and sharing all that we know and um, creating that relationship. Now, I do have to share a quick story. Um, because I've had several experiences of talking with administrators, and um, I like to maybe hopefully we can share quickly too. One of the first meetings that I set up with an administrator, I was relatively new out of grad school. I was so excited, my very first job, and you know, I knew all the lingo of what we do in the schools, and so I was able to get a meeting with the administrator. I went in very excited and started talking, you know, about the services that I offer and how I can help the school. And as I am talking, she's literally walking around her office, not really giving me much time at all. And then she looks at me and she's like, "And, and what are you here for again? And I've been talking the whole time. I know it was horrible. I was devastated. I was just devastated because I'm like, I'm pouring my heart and soul into talking with this administrator because I have to back at first. I was extremely nervous walking in. I was highly intimidated, you know, going into a principal because I had never talked with a principal before. I mean, this is my first job, um, but I you know, pushed through. And so the principal ended up telling me, well, Frankie, if that's all you have, I, I, I need to get to a meeting. And so I left that meeting devastated, literally devastated, because I'm like, what went wrong? Here I am trying to offer my services. I'm trying to tell her what I can do um, for the students. But it was all speech and language jargon. I was not relating what I was offering, the services I was offering in an educational manner. I was not talking her lingo. So everything I was saying I don't think she truly understood, and it's not her fault. They're not trained, Educa- you know. Principals and educators are not trained in our area. You know, they're trained more in you know instruction, curriculum based um, type programs, not speech and language. So I walked away feeling defeated. Uh, but you know, I pressed through that year, and I did find some teachers that I could collaborate with. But I was still struggling with what went wrong with that first meeting. So it took me several years, honestly, to start beginning to understand that I, as a therapist, am coming into an educational setting. I have to start relating what I do to the educational world. I've got to start making my therapy academically relevant. So several years passed. And so I went in several years later to another, I had, was at a new school, I went to another school and started explaining the services that I offer. I started talking specifically about students um, You know, and I didn't use jargon like language disorder. I would say things like um, students having difficulty following directions, students having difficulty comprehending content that the teacher is um, teaching. Uh, and instead of speech disorders, I would talk about um difficulty saying sounds correctly, um, which affects their reading. Um, It could possibly affect their spelling ability. And so I really started trying to connect speech and language to the academic realm. And when I started doing that, I started receiving more of a positive reaction um, from administrators. So this one Principal, I went in to talk with. I had been at this school for several years, but we had a new administrator, and I felt like it was important for me to go in and and talk with her about speech and language and being educationally relevant. And so I did, and I was, you know, very excited to be there, and was asking to be on the faculty agenda. That was one of my goals and going to meet with her because I really need to get in front of that faculty. And I was talking about collaboration and how I wanted to work with the teachers and how we can meet together and do co-planning and how it's going to be the best interest of the students academically. And she looked at me and she was like, "Okay, Frankie, I have no problem giving you 20 minutes on the uh, faculty agenda next week. However, do not take up my teacher's time. I do not want you wasting their time they have got too many things they have to do. They've got to meet standards. They've got to pass their benchmarks. Please just don't take time away from instruction. I was like, okay, I, I, I won't do that. You know. So she did grant me the 20 minutes in the faculty meeting. And so when I got to the faculty meeting, You know, I introduced myself, which they already knew, but I always like to relate personally to teachers. And I started talking with them and explaining what I do in speech and language. And I think that's important for us as therapists to really branch out and educate teachers and educate administrators on exactly what we do. Because it's only then when they begin to understand the skill set that we have as therapists that they're going to start opening up their doors and allowing us to come in. And so, you know, I was at the faculty meeting. I talked to the teachers and they were very receptive. They're like, OK, Frankie, well, if you can help my students with um, reading comprehension and then you can help my students with writing, absolutely, you know, definitely come in. So it was it ended up being a very good experience. Um you know, and talking with the administrator, because one thing we have to remember also is that the administrators can be a very big ally for us. You know, going into the classroom, it was always a big push for me to get a copy of the curriculum. I wanted a copy of the curriculum. If my students were learning the curriculum, I needed to know the curriculum. So I would request curriculum textbooks um, and workbooks so that I could bring those academic materials into my pullout sessions. But then also when I went into push in that I could understand the content that's being taught, and then hopefully share that information or strategies with the teachers.
0: Great information. Yeah, who hasn't had those experiences with uh, with the principals or with even head of special ed or even with some teachers? And I love the whole concept of connecting what we do with what they do. Now, Frankie, You were talking about going into the staff meeting, like at the beginning of the year or sometime. And what do we need to do? Do you have some specific instructions or ideas or maybe an agenda or things that we can say or not say? How do we do it? What do we do those 20 minutes in front of the staff?
1: Well, definitely take advantage of that, Char. I, I love staff meetings. I love getting up in front of talk, to talk in front of the staff. And I know some of us may not feel comfortable doing that. Um, But I always say we can feel one way and act another. So um, we just have to push through. So the first thing I like to do is always to um, share something about myself, the experiences that I have had um, as a speech therapist. And, you know, maybe even if you've been in this school for a while, relate an experience that you've had with a teacher. Try to make that personal connection with them. Uh, And then share with the teachers, you know, the different areas that we work on in speech and language. And I'm not saying use the jargon like the speech disorder or a language disorder, but break it down for them. Let them understand that language impacts every part of academics. If they can't comprehend what they're reading, then they're not going to be able to answer questions. If, they're not, if they have a weakness in vocabulary, then they may not be excelling at math. They may be able to computate the math, however, but they cannot understand the vocabulary that gets them to that point. And so, you know, I think it's our job to educate the teachers in how language is just infused in every part of the academic realm. So I feel like that's very important. And I would always have a handout that I would give my teachers. And it would be the top Uh, disorders or disabilities that we work with, but then also kind of relate that to how it impacts the classroom. So for speech disorders, you know, difficulty saying sounds um, and how that can impact spelling, how that can impact reading, because many times I've had conversations with teachers at IEP meetings or parent conferences and they're like, Frankie, I don't understand why this child is missing these spelling words. Well, when they shared the spelling list with me, I said, oh, well, I can tell you why. Because this child cannot say these sounds correctly. So he is writing them the way that he's hearing them. So, you know, then we're able to put some accommodations in place, you know, to help the student. But it's conversations like that. I think that we need to start trying to bridge that gap between what we do as speech language pathologists and what the teachers do in the classroom. And then also, I like to tell the teachers how I can support them, because very often every month I would find some type of little strategy or a tip that I would put in the teacher's mailboxes, um, just something that they can have to think about. And Char, I'll have to tell you, this too I would even go a step further because you know our teachers are really busy so I would actually give them a folder <laughs> I would hand I would create a speech and language folder with Frankie Strickland on it okay and they knew that that's a the folder they kept, and so as they received materials from me, they would just stick it in their folder. And so when we would collaborate, you know, in planning lessons, they'd always bring their folder with them because they're like, we don't know what you're going to give us today, you know. um So they always had that with them, and so I thought that was a really cute thing. And so that was just kind of a one year I just tried that and it worked, so I definitely kept doing it.
0: Good idea, girl. Good idea. Yeah,
1: they they loved it. Uh, you know, so I think it's important for them to understand, you know, how we're not necessarily a burden. We're actually a support, you know, and, and teaching them the ways of how we can support them to help educate the students. So, um, yeah, so that's a really big thing. And then also how we collaborate. You know, I'm a big believer of collaboration. I love it, love it, love it. And I have seen such a difference in students' performance, their academic performance, as to how they um, have just improved with the collaboration of me or just an SLP working with a general ed teacher. Because a general ed teacher comes in, they know content, they know how to teach the content, but sometimes how to reach the students. Literally, teach language, teach various concepts they're not really sure about. Well, that's our expertise. We're the expert in speech and language, and. So when we're able to sit down and we're able to talk about what the general ed teacher's expectations are, and then the speech therapist brings in what the disorders are and what the weaknesses are, and they start marrying or merging the two skills together, it's a win-win for the students because not only are they learning the content, but they're going to be able to learn it in a manner in which they're going to be successful. Right, right. So I just, I just am a big, huge advocate of of um, collaborating and getting in there, just jumping in, you know, and sometimes we're not sure because we do go into a school and we may not feel like we belong because sometimes we are islands. We are the only person there. Um, But I was always committed to making sure that I was a part of the school because my thought process is that if I'm a part of the school and everybody knows what I do, I'm not just this little SLP in the closet. Um, They know what I do. I'm visible, I'm communicating speech and language but not only communicating speech and language, but communicating speech and language as how it relates to academic instruction.
0: So getting back to that staff meeting and the 20 minutes, and you're sharing this kind of information Mm -hmm. with them. Yes. And I know that you have a handout that kind of itemizes some of the things that you would bring to the table during that staff meeting. And it's about kind of what we do and and what our our role, um, and then our therapy services and so on. And then... You would talk maybe about how you're going to collaborate with them, about meeting with them, maybe at grade level meetings or um, how you're going to communicate with them. Is, is that the kind of information that you share during that staff meeting?
1: Yes. Yes, sure. Thank you. Yes. Um, at, the, at the grade level meeting or at the faculty meeting, I have a form that I've created um, and it's just a very easy form to use. But you know, teachers are very busy and I just quickly go around the room Round robin and say, Okay, um, kindergarten, when do you have your grade level planning? And I have my form ready and I write down the days and the times they have their grade level planning. And so it's done right then and there, maybe five, ten minutes. Well, probably five minutes. They all know when their grade level meetings are. And you ask them if it's okay if you attend. And no one's going to tell you no. And they're going to say yes. But the important thing is that once you get those times and you know when they are going to be meeting, is that. after that faculty meeting, you go immediately because you've got a yes. Okay. And you don't want that yes to dwindle into a no. So immediately after that faculty meeting, you go back to your room you look to see when you can be at each one of those faculty meetings. Now, this is just an initial meeting. So I don't even want to feel stressed like you've got to be there all the time. But I feel like it's very important that you attend at least one grade level meeting just to get your foot in the door so you can have that face to face time with those teachers. So as soon as you find out when you can be at those grade level meetings, you immediately go to them and let them know, I'm going to be here Tuesday at 10 o'clock. You know, or I'm going to be at I'm going to be in second grade Tuesday from um, at ten o'clock. Uh, Thursday I may be in fourth grade at one o'clock. And so once you do that, then I would go and communicate that with the principal, so she understands what you're going to be doing those um, during those times. And so again, it's a little legwork on our part, but it's building that collaboration because we are going to be kind of the liaison in creating this collaboration framework within the building. I mean, you know, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Um, It is how how we're going to create this. And many times it falls on our shoulders. And that's okay because we know. We know how to collaborate. We know how to work together. And what's more important is we know how effective it can be for our students. So um, getting that grade level time and committing to that grade level time, you know, is very important. Um, And then after, you know, doing that, I move right into scheduling because scheduling is very important. And we all know, Shari, um, it can be such a beast sometimes, um, you know, trying to schedule everything. And, you know, I have to share one year I was so excited. I had such a Oh, a horrendous schedule with students. They were going everywhere. And I had a large caseload. And I was so excited because after a week, I finally had my schedule. I was so thrilled. And then I was looking at it and um, I had a colleague, you know, she was looking over. She's a general ed teacher. And she's like, oh, well, Frankie, this looks great. But when are you going to eat lunch? I was like, oh, well, I hadn't thought about <laughs> eating lunch, you know. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I know. I got so worked up and so excited into the schedule. Um, so, you know, and, and, and all of this is trial and error. You know, many years of trying to work with teachers, you know, trying to get the kids when we need them, but then also respecting uh, when the teachers need them for instruction. And so over time, what I learned is that I try to give the teachers more information than they need. I kind of fill them with information. And so what I would do is, and I have a form for this also, is that I would list the student's name. I would list the type of services, whether it's inclusion, um, pull out, and how many times a week I see the student and how many minutes. So And and this is good information for me to have as well as a therapist. And so I'd fill out the form and I would just, you know, drop it in their box or you know give it to them. But then also to have another form. And I would ask the teachers to provide their top three preferred speech times. Is this for pull out? I'm sorry. Pull out and inclusion. Mm -hmm. I would ask them, it would be, you know, like when I could pull them out. But then also if some of the students required me to go in the classroom, what were the times that I could go into the classroom? And You know, teachers get busy and they forget about us. You know, if we're not in, if we're not visible all the time, they forget about us. And so I really had a hard time getting teachers to return schedules. And, you know, it may be a couple of weeks before I could get everything worked out. So one year by trial and error, I just said, you know what, let me try something new. So what I did, I created a form and I told them this during the faculty meeting that, okay, I want you to list your top three speech times. If your children are inclusion, when can I go in the classroom? If they're pull out, um, when can I pull them out of the classroom? And so I said, but this year, I said, I'm going to keep a record of when you turn these in. I said, so I'm going to prioritize who gets what times. And so if you get your file, if you get your form completed and turned in first, then you're probably more likely to get your preferred time than maybe someone who turns it in late. So if you turn your form in before we leave today and I document that and another teacher doesn't turn her form in until Friday, well, the teacher who turned her form in on Monday is more likely to get her preferred time. Well, you would not believe I had almost every teacher's preferred time before lunch. The day of the meeting, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, they're like Frankie. I've, I've got my time. I've got my form here. Here, you know, it. it was hilarious. Um, So they and they were competitive, you know. And we all know educators are competitive, but oh, they were competitive, you know. They're like Frankie. Are you going to write the time that I turned it in? Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, ten fifty. Yes, I will write the time down. Mm-hmm. Um And you know, from then on, I started adding that little feature in. Um, So on my form, I just date it and I just write the time. Now the teachers, you know, have the ability to turn it in that day during the faculty meeting, you know, or you drop it by my mailbox um, or, you know, stop by my room uh, and and give that to me. But one other option that I had thought about, you know, with technology on the forefront, um, you know, you could create a Google Docs, you know, and allow teachers you know, to log in and enter their preferred times, you know, just list their name and their preferred times. And so that may be another way to motivate uh, teachers (laughs) to get the information um, in for the scheduling. But the important thing also in scheduling, I think, is that the teachers understand that we're coming together as a team. They're not my students. They're not your students. They're our students. And how can we look at their uh, academic schedule and how can we work together to get the best time set up, you know, for the student. Um, I think that's very important as well. I was just talking to a group of teachers uh, last week, you know, and right now they were trying to schedule, um, you know, their speech students and they really didn't know what their students were being served for. They did not know how often Um They were just kind of left feeling like we want to know, you know, we want information. And so I know we work very hard as therapists and we have so many things going on. But just trying to keep that bridge of communication open, you know, about what our students need and how we can work together and just keeping that dialogue going, I think is very important. You know, um, I was at a school school. was one of my first schools. Uh, I was a a therapist coming in behind a veteran 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 SLP. And, you know, I walked in, they didn't even know who I was, you know, which was fine. So I introduced myself and they're like, oh, well, we hope that you're going to spend more time with the students than in the lounge. And I was like, okay, well, I'm here to serve students. Um, And so I just think it's important that everybody understand that we do work hard and we just have to advocate for ourselves, you know, and that therapist may have been stopping by to get a cup of coffee. She's probably been at school since six o'clock in the morning, you know, (laughs) but nobody knows that. So I just think, you know, it's just real important for us to educate everybody, you know, on, on what we do.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're establishing a relationship and in that relationship, you're, helping them to understand the value of what we can give to them and to the kids and to the parents. And that's probably at the core of collaboration. I would think, um, and we are building here, you know, in this, in this podcast, we're building a solid foundation for collaborating with teachers. And that relationship is so very important. But anything, any other ideas, I love your ideas, uh, you know, especially about um, encouraging the teachers to get their preferred therapy times in and making it a contest. Any other little tips and, and you know, tricks that you have that you'd like to share with us just off the top of your head?
1: Well, I think being prepared, uh, you know, going into the faculty meeting, you know, uh, and, and I think going into the faculty meeting is a golden opportunity because if you have an administrator that is going to allow you 20 minutes of her or his time, that's pretty big. And so, you want to make the most of it, you know. So, be respectful of the time, uh, but then also just think of it as a golden opportunity to sell yourself as an SLP, you know, trying to make those personal connections uh, with everybody, you know, letting them know that you're there to support them. um, And then, explaining how your services relate to the academics, you know, how you can go into the classroom and how you can support the students, I think is is just huge.
0: Hey busy SLP, Sharbochart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at sharbochart.com. It's free. Learn our take and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at charboshart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Now, during that staff meeting, and we've kind of circled back to that, and this is a good thing. Yes, we have 20 minutes and it's, you know, probably going to come off as kind of a presentation, and you're going to have some handout to share with them so they have something to refer to. Do you have any questions? That we can ask the teachers to let them know we're interested in what they do. This is not just me telling you what I can do, but I want you, all the teachers here at the staff meeting, to realize that I am here for you and I want to learn from you and we can share information and collaborate together on the kids. It's got to be that give and take. That's what collaboration is. It's not all here I am and I'm wonderful. <laughs> it isn't Gives there a question or two that we can throw out to the teachers to get them thinking about maybe language or how we can work together? What can we do to connect with them during those 20 minutes? than just share information
1: it is and, and you're right you know uh, when you do your presentation to the faculty it doesn't want to be the SLP show you know which it is a little bit uh, but you also want to ask the teachers you know to start thinking of do they have a student who has difficulties following directions ah okay and then ask them to raise their hand you know how many teachers in here have a student right now that has difficulty following directions everybody's going to raise their hand, you know, find out, you know, get the teachers talking. Do they have difficulty, um, Answering questions in the classroom, do they act out in the classroom? Like if you're asked, if you ask them to uh, complete a worksheet or, or answer questions, maybe in circle time, and all of a sudden they start acting out. You know, behavior of a student can be a direct result of the student not understanding um, what is being asked. And I think many times that you know teachers need to understand that when a student may have difficulty understanding language, difficulty processing the language. Um, and they may have a behavior of acting out and the teachers may identify them as being a behavior concern in the class. When really, when you start looking at the root of it, it's language. They're not understanding the language. Um, so I would really like for the teachers to share, you know, during the faculty meeting, you know, some issues or concerns that they have with students regarding language. And, you know, if time permitted, you know, they usually sit in their grade levels, you know. uh, So, you know, if you can, maybe give maybe a minute or two minutes and let them just kind of talk and see if they have any commonalities of concerns that they have. And then uh, once the minute is up, you always want to set a timer, Um, So you don't go over that one minute and let them converse and then let them report to you, you know, share with you, you know, some specific, maybe one or two, just one or two specific concerns. Uh, Of course, we don't want to mention any students names, uh, but just some concerns. And as they are reporting out to you, make sure that you're taking notes. Okay, so grade, kindergarten, Smith, you know, uh, difficulty with math or, you know, not understanding the social studies content, you know, not able to answer questions, or maybe in science, the student always tends to become a, you know, he begins to start joking around in science where he doesn't during math, you know, just really starting to take information from the teachers uh, during that meeting as well can be very helpful.
0: Okay, that makes sense. It's good for you to have a sense as to what they are observing and not observing. But also, it I'm going to say, and I'm going to use the word endears you to them. Yes. So that they can see that you are interested in their observations as well. And that that's a wonderful way to begin your collaboration.
1: I mean, I found that to be very helpful, you know, um, because it again, it starts building that relationship. And I think many times teachers, they just want to be heard. You know, they you know, if they're having some concerns with students, you know, and here we are saying that we're a resource or, you know, that I'm a resource to you, but we don't take time to listen to them. We don't take the time to really hear um, their concerns. There's one thing in listening. And then there's one thing in hearing. And so I think that we really need to take the time to hear what they say, because we've got some amazing teachers, fantastic teachers, and they're passionate about what they do on the other hand, we are very passionate about what we do. We're very committed to what we do um, in helping students. Um, but I think many times that teachers are looking for support. They're really requesting support. They're requesting help as to help their, how to best educate their students. And if we can just have a, li- a hearing ear, not a listening ear, but a hearing ear um, to their concerns and then responding to that, You know, not just documenting it and saying, OK, well, that was great and moving on and never pull that piece of paper out again. You know, I think the work comes in after they share their concerns. We hear their concerns. And then what do we do about it? I think once we hear a concern from a teacher that we need to provide that teacher with some support, give her a strategy, give her a tip. And we have many tips. We have many strategies um, that we can offer the teachers. And if it comes to it, ask the teacher if you can go in and observe. Is it okay if I come in maybe 15 minutes during centers or during stations and and observe this behavior that you're seeing or maybe observe how the, um, the student is responding to your instruction. And just sometimes having that extra person to come in, first of all, it reassures the teacher they feel like they're important and that you really mean what you say. You really say that you're there to support and you're really showing them that you support. And I think that can be huge. And again, when you start showing that level of compassion and that Um, reaching out to them and then responding to them in need, that is building a foundation that is a priceless foundation and of collaboration, you know, and many times, you know, I've worked in classrooms, I've done co-teaching, you know, the collaboration, I've been in the classrooms working side by side with teachers. And it takes a lot for a teacher to allow you to come into the classroom. It takes a lot for the teacher to sit down with you and actually plan an academic lesson, you know, because they're like, They're sitting down with you, but they're questioning it. Um, But if you can build this solid foundation with teachers and they understand that you care, that you truly are there to help the students, help them, then that foundation is going to be solid. And, you know, it's kind of like building a house. If you're going to build a house, you have to have a good foundation first. And then from that foundation, you're going to start, you know, building the walls and you're going to build the roof, you know, you're going to put the furniture inside. Um, And so the starting point, I believe, of collaboration is really building those strong, firm foundations. And not only with the teachers, but also with administration. Administration needs to see that we are here as a resource to support the teachers and to support the students. I like to say that we're the hidden gem in the buildings, because we really are. We have a lot of knowledge to give, um, but it's how we, I guess, communicate. Um, But if you have an administrator who is supportive of you and they understand what you're doing in the classroom, they sometimes can come and assist you uh, in helping maybe convince a teacher to at least Give you a try in the classroom um, to teach the students. And so I have a personal experience of that as well, um, where a teacher hasn't wanted me in the classroom. But because I had had success in many other classrooms and the administrator knew that, you know, she was kind of my ally, you know, in getting that reluctant teacher to at least give it a try for a month, you know, and, and see what she thought. And so, you know, after. The month, the teacher was like, well, I guess you can stay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good, so, good. You know, so it all, it all worked well. But yeah. I think everybody needs to understand what we do and how we can best meet the students' needs. And it's all about relationships. Right.
0: Now, there's another word that comes to mind, and that is time. As far as working with teachers or a teacher in regards to a student, you know, that we're pulling out or maybe pushing in. Mm-hmm. But it takes time to do all of that. Do you have some tips for us how to maximize our time? How do we fit it all in?
1: It's tricky. (laughs) And um, to be honest, and it can be a sliding scale. Uh, You know, I think, again, having talk time with that teacher and talking with her about a common time that she would be willing to meet with you, or maybe the grade level would be willing to meet with you. So let's say that you can't meet during their grade level planning but you really wanted to meet with that teacher and you really wanted to know academically what was going on in the classroom um, so you can always talk to the, t- the teachers about willing you know their willingness to come in a few minutes early in the day if they're willing to have lunch with you you know um, maybe they're willing to stay 20 minutes after school to talk with you and and I always would go the extra mile a little bit like if they would come in early I might bring in donuts you know, or, um, you know, if they come in at lunch, I may bring in a sweet little dessert, you know, to share. Um, Just something to say thank you.
0: Okay. And how often, how often do you do that? Do you meet with them once a month, every other month? Is this just something that you do once and then maybe at the beginning of the year, and then maybe at the end of the year? Or is this a regular scheduled meeting? Or how do you handle that? I mean, how often do we do this?
1: Well, I would, I would do it at least every other week. Um, because I wanted to know You know, but that was just me. You know, there's not and and I want everyone to understand, too, there's not a right or wrong to collaboration. There's not a right or wrong to having to meet, you know, every week, every other week, um, once a month, Um, whatever works for you guys. I don't want there to be anyone out there thinking that, well, I can't do that because I can't meet like Frankie did every other week. Um, That just happened to work for me and my teachers in my building. Um, You know, I've worked with therapists who meet once a month you know, and we get lesson plans and, you know, we get the the content that's being taught. And then, you know, once I get that information, I would take it back uh, to my therapy room and I would look at it and see what strategies that I could bring into the classroom. And then before the lesson, I would make sure that I met the teacher in the hallway. I'd catch her in the conference room or uh, in the copying room and say, hey, I was looking at that lesson and I would like to bring in this strategy. I would like to do this. Is What do you think about that? And more than often, they were like, sure, absolutely, bring it in. And I've also had meetings in the hallway, I'm just going to be honest, you know, walking to lunch, walking from lunch, um, out at recess, On the playground. Um, Some of our meetings were not actually sitting down meetings. I would have a notebook or I would have um, a little pen and paper and I'm taking notes as the teacher is telling me what she's going to be teaching. And I have my little toolbox of strategies. And so we may have a quick little planning meeting on the sidewalk uh, after bus duty. Um, so it's just getting creative and be willing to stretch the limits a little bit as to when you can meet with the teachers.
0: Okay. Well, maybe even doing a FaceTime, yes. you know, or a Skype or something, because it does take time to walk down to the room or asking a teacher to come to your therapy room Yes, and they don't show for five minutes and here you've got the kids coming in. So. Right, that's right And that's another thing to schedule Is when to meet with teachers And how often There are going to be some teachers As you were saying That aren't going to want to meet with you And you know, my philosophy has always been Then I may not want to meet with them <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> right. You know, I, right. I'm just being honest here I agree, Yes. agree, yeah. yes and, But I am going to meet with the teachers That I know and they know me And we have kind of stuck up a relationship And it's Mm -hmm. what happens usually over time is that word gets around that, whoa, that was really beneficial to do. And sometimes those teachers that really didn't want to meet with me would come to me and say, you know, I've got this other child that I have that maybe we could work together on and come up with some solutions.
1: That is such a great point. Absolutely. Um, We would, I would always say, I want to cherry pick my teachers. So I want to cherry pick the ones that I want to start collaborating with. I want the ones that um, are warm and kind and are receptive. You know, they're like, hey, Frankie, yes, come see us. we would love to work with you. And, and it's like you said, Shar, all you need is two or three. And you know what? You may be disappointed. The first year I was so disappointed. I'm like, oh, you don't want to work with me? What? Why not? You know, I was like so offended. I mean, and so I kind of had to get over it, you know, and say, okay. I have these two or three that are willing to work with me. Let's go. Well, it ended up one backed out. So I had two, um, but it was very successful and they loved for me. They wanted me in the classroom every day. But of course, I could not do that. So, you know, I was in the classroom. I was out of the classroom. You know, we would they were willing to meet with me. You know, I know we're meeting the lounge one day and a teacher comes in and she's oh, you're meeting with her again. What do you have to talk about? You know, and the teacher's like, oh, you have no idea what we've got going on, you know, and so it sparked interest, you know, and so teachers were kind of like, then the buzz started going around Well, Frankie is working with these couple of teachers, what's going on, you know, and you know, teachers, I love them and they're, they can be competitive. Well, if she's got something good going on, that's helping her students, then maybe I need to look at this. Maybe I need to take another chance, another glance at this. And so, by the second year, Shar, I had five teachers. They're like, "Frankie, I need you to work me in because whatever you're doing with Miss Smith, I love that, and I need that because you know I, my students need that in the classroom. We need to do this this year. We, we're going to do it right." And they're yelling at me down the hall. I'm like, "Yes, yes, yes. Stop by my room. Yes, we'll get a time together and we'll go." You know. And so the next, and then the you know, then after that, it kept growing and growing. And you know, it's just like a little. Um, I don't know. It's just like a little, you know, burst of energy, you know, around the building because all of a sudden there was this new resource that was available and they were all excited about it. And I was tickled pink. I was so thrilled because now I'm reaching more students. Not only am I helping my speech and language students, but I'm actually able to help some of the lower achieving students in the classroom, you know, because they're benefiting from some of the strategies and techniques that I'm bringing into the, therapy, into the classroom from the therapy room. And so it just got very, it was just very exciting and such a rewarding experience experience. And, you know, anyone who is a little hesitant to try collaboration or a little not sure about it, you know, I say, just jump in, just give it a whirl, because nine times out of 10, you're going to find that little group of teachers that's going to be so excited that you're there. And they're going to be so excited for your help. And it's just going to be the one of the most rewarding experiences, I think, of your career. And once you start, you're not going to want to stop because you become addicted um, to going into the classroom and working with those teachers and working with those students. I mean, it is just so powerful. Um, I've just seen so many changes, so many changes in students' lives, Um not because of me, but because of the collaboration, because of us, because of two experts coming together, merging their skills and teaching students. And that is just powerful. And when you have seen that and you've experienced that, there are just no words there. There, there, there are just no words. So I just encourage everybody, you know, to take a chance, take a chance and meet with your administrator, get in from the faculty, talk to them about the services that you offer, start those conversations about collaboration, you know, get your schedule in, you know, work, talk to the teachers. Remember, you want them to see you as a resource, someone there to help them help their students and for them to truly understand what our purpose is, what your purpose is in the school. You know, we're committed to helping students. All of us as speech therapists, we love what we do. We're smart. We, we know speech and language like the back of our hand. So now we've got to share that. We've got to share that excitement and that knowledge with all the teachers in the building and the administrators to get them just as excited. And when that takes place, it's just a beautiful thing.
0: Oh, Frankie, you have so much information to share with us. That's, you're just amazing. You know, I did want to talk a little bit about TalkTrack. Would you share some information about TalkTrack.com?
1: Yes, I would be happy to. Um, Tall Track is a cloud-based system that helps therapists easily manage their day-to-day data, their progress monitoring data, uh, attendance of students in therapy, uh, while also producing a very nice cumulative progress report uh, that we can share with parents, caregivers, um, administrators uh, on how well the child. Is producing on their goals. Um, so it's a one-stop shop. There's one location where a therapist can take care of their day-to-day needs uh, in using TalkTrack. Um, I developed TalkTrack about eight years ago and I'm excited to be working with therapists from around the country. Um, changing the way that we currently keep up with our data and look at the data to make those data-driven decisions for students. I believe that data is very important and TalkTrack allows us to easily look at the data and make those quick data-driven decisions that hopefully are going to help reduce treatment time for students.
0: That sounds really really beneficial and we can look at talktrack.com and figure out how to join? Or do we purchase it? How does that work?
1: Yes, TalkTrack is a cloud-based system. So uh, we and it's based on per subscription. So you're able to purchase the student license that you need.
0: Okay, so it's a license.
1: It's a license. It's a student license. Mm -hmm. So you can do it
0: individually. Can school districts purchase it or how does that work?
1: Yes. Yes. We have designed the platform of TalkTrack to work with individual therapists, small groups of therapists in school districts and complete school districts. Um, So really, TalkTrack is very flexible depending on either the school district, the individual therapist or you know, just a small group within a district. And so I work with individual therapists, small groups and complete school districts. And so we are definitely changing the way that um, data collection is being taken and making a lot of um, important decisions for students while also saving therapists a lot of time. Um, You know, we do a lot of pencil paper and we have a lot of different folders and photocopies of data sheets and things such as that. And TalkTrack eliminates all of that and allows us to have one- location where we could easily log in and access attendance, data, um, indirect service logs, communication logs, um, and also a progress report. So it's really a one location that we can house everything. And for itinerant therapists, it's really awesome because you don't have to worry about lugging notebooks from building to building. Um, Simply log in with your username and your password and you have complete access. And it works on the iPad as well as a laptop. Amazing. That
0: is great. Well, I don't know how you do it all. And plus, if that saves time, maybe we could collaborate more. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. More yes. yes.
0: well, with the general led teachers. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. You know, this has been amazing. I've learned so much. And, you know, just thinking about what, what you talked about, this really laid the groundwork or the foundation for getting us going with collaborating with teachers. I'm thinking that we need to do a part two oh, okay. and just really talk about what you do and what you suggest, you know, how do we do it? What does that look like from your perspective of working together with the teachers? So would you be willing to do a part two?
1: Oh, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Thank you, Shar. That'd be awesome.
0: Yes. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. Well, I look forward to doing that with you. Thanks again, Frankie. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Shar. I enjoyed it. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Speech Link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, sharvoshart.com, and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well and God bless.